Hello and welcome to the Christ Fellowship Weekly Podcast. At Christ Fellowship, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit ChristFellowship.org. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from Lead Pastor Jamie Miller. All right, so open your Bibles to John 13, verse 34 and 35. We are in a second part of a series called Welcome Home. Last week, welcome home to God's family. And this week, welcome home to relationships, relationships in God's family. So here we go. Right at the end of Jesus' life, last night before the cross, before He died on the cross for our sins, uh, He says He has this meeting with His disciples and He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this will all men know that you are My disciples if you love if you love one another. Okay, this is the way it happens. So last week, I, that's just a launching spot. And I, I want to just say one quick word about last week. You know, we talked about welcome home to God's family. It's, it's like God, no matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter how we get off track, God is pursuing us. He doesn't let us go. He is pursuing you even today. If you're here, he's got, there's a reason. I mean, He's pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. And he, if you're ever confused about it, look to Jesus who dies on the cross for the sins of the world. That's how He expresses love for all. We, we know that He loves us because of that. And so He welcomes us into His family and He invites us to participate with Him in just whatever He's doing, just all the God stuff. He invites us into that. I mean, there's no way I could have imagined 24 years ago when we started the church just that we could be getting to do some of the stuff that we get to do all around the nations of the earth, be involved with the people that we get to be involved. I mean, it's a, it's a blow, like, boof, boof, just a blow, it's a blow away. It's so, so cool. And God found us. God did this. God, we were lost and God found us. And home is at the heart of the good news. We long for it. If you've ever been away, you've ever been down and out, you know what that longing is. And this week, now that we're in God's family, there's all these other people. There's relational opportunities. Might be a little politically correct way of saying that. There's opportunities to get along with other people. And God's, God's vision is that we would love each other. That we would live in harmony. That we would bless each other. That we build each other up. All the one another's. That we would encourage one another. That we'd speak life. We'd speak hope. We'd be there when times are hard. Be there when times are good. We'd eat meals together. We, we would live into the image of Jesus Christ as we sharpen one another from all these different backgrounds. And it's Jew and Gentile together. All the nations together in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Right? And so He's doing this thing. It's so wonderful. When we started the church all those years ago, we would open the Bible to the book of Acts and dream about what church would look like, you know, and what would it look like to raise our little two year old daughter? I don't uh, our little two. So that, was a, that was a timid wave, but our little two year old daughter. And what would it be like to raise her in an atmosphere where Jesus was treasured? where the Father's love was being pronounced over us over and over, where the power of the Spirit was expected, where spiritual gifts were released to build up the body. What would it be like to see that kind of church life? And, you know, one of the phrases we came up with early on was we wanted to be 
the church of Jesus Christ in simplicity and power. We wanted to be the church. And, and God, even today, you guys, if we will live into that, if we'll just be the church, we get to do all kinds of crazy stuff as we be. Stephanie, sorry about the language there. As we be. Yes, uh, she's awesome at it. <laughs> Helps me. But um, so the, the being part. And years ago, it's my life message kind of became the way I sum up the scriptures a lot of times is to say Christ, the church, and the glory of God. And that's kind of what the story's about. Christ, the church, and the glory of God. There's other things to say, but that's a big piece of it. Paul prays at the end of Ephesians 3 that, that we would just bring glory and honor to God in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations, that's us, forever and ever, amen. And that's, that's an awesome promise. It's an awesome blessing. But as we're doing all that, one of the things that happened for us was I started to see Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, and to the fellowship. That's the community. The koinonia is the Greek word, but it just means part of our devotion, it's, it's to God, but it's to one another. Okay, that's how we live. That's how we live. You know, there's an end that we're going for you know, you read the end of Revelation and the Spirit and the Bride, that's us, say, come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. That's at the end. But So we know we're there at the end, but it's like He's using us all along the way to sharpen, prepare, mature, grow up, help to conform, become more like Jesus. We need each other. We're, we're broken. And we need help. Did you know that we just haven't, when you joined the church, when you became a follower of Jesus, you didn't join a group of people that had it all together. Some, can I get a glory wave out there? That's the truth. It's the absolute truth. We are on a journey. And it means relationships and community. It's awesome and, and hard and challenging. And difficult at times, right? And that's, that's the way it is. That's this process that we're walking through. And how we get ready is part. It's not the whole thing. We do the mission. We tell people about Jesus. We do all these things. But part of how we get ready is we do relationships with each other. And sometimes we do it good. Sometimes we blow it. And we have to work on coming back together and doing it right. Make sense? And I want to say, I'm going to say this at the end too, but there's grace. As I'm talking about relationships today, I just want to say there's grace. For everybody that's blown it like me, where we've had to go and apologize for all different kinds of stuff, there's grace. There's grace for me. You know, and there's grace for you. There's grace for us. Nobody does it. You may think somebody else does it right, and you feel real insecure that you're going to hear some things today that make you think about relationships. And we're all just in process. It's okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the tension today of this is a really important message, but I'm also wanting to be real tender and fatherly and pastoral. And, and part of me, when I, when I feel pressure and everybody gets really, really quiet, I want to do a joke or something and turn the... It's kind of... So I, I'll, I'll kind of see where everybody's at. But know that my heart is loving and it wants us to get this. Is it so, it's so important that we know how to do all of this. So here's the main thing I'm trying to say in a soundbite. It's God's calling us to love one another 
in reconciling relationships in order to declare that Jesus is our Lord to the world around us. That's, how the, that's part of how that happens. Jesus gets declared as Lord because we keep turning back toward one another and not running away and working through stuff we need to work through, right? Lord, help us. Lord, help us today. So let's talk about this vision for relationships in God's family. The first piece is the challenge part. The relationship challenge. Okay, it goes, a lo- it goes back to the beginning of humanity, right? But uh, this past week, on, a lot of times I do study stuff on, on Tuesdays, and I literally just got my Bible out and started going page by page through the New Testament. I wasn't reading the whole thing, but I literally just turned the pages of the New Testament. And I was thinking about relationships, and it hit me just like reconciling relationships is a part of every single book and letter in the New Testament. Every single one. Like, it just hit me in a new, fresh way. that It's in every single letter. You know, uh, Acts. There, you know, there's all this relational conflict. There's persecution, but there's relational conflict. And persecution and relational conflict. And it's, it's them trying to work it out. The first council of the church was trying to work out a conflict relationally. Even before that, you know, the Grecian Jews, uh, the Grecian uh, widows felt left out at the, at the food thing. They had to work out conflict and they had to reconcile that and figure that out. The first letter written in the New Testament is Galatians. Scholars believe it's Galatians. And Galatians, we may try to make it about salvation, but it's not about salvation. The word doesn't appear in the letter. It's not about salvation. It's about unity in the church. It's about you know, Peter separates himself from the, the other uh, Gentiles uh, when, the, when the Jews come from Jerusalem. And so Paul's like, hey, that can't happen. That's another gospel. Our gospel is a gospel that reconciles. It's God in Christ reconciling the world to himself. It's, it's, and then that means there's an implication for us with reconciliation to one another. That to come into God's house is to constantly be moving on this trajectory of whole, healed, healthy, becoming more healthy relationships. And it's a journey, isn't it? So all of that's going on. I could go through Romans, Philippians. There's, it's a, when you get down to the heart of Philippians, it's about a, a conflict between two leader women in the church, Euodia and Syntyche. Now, he gets to the punchline, he goes, now I plead, after I've said all this, the humility of Christ, all of that, I plead with Euodia and Syntyche, get along with each other. You guys are awesome. You've been leaders for a long, I've worked alongside you, loyal yoke fellow. Fellow, what's a feminine? Uh, Anyway, so just please get along with each other. And Philemon, it's a, it's, a, it's a master and a slave. Paul's encouraging to get back together, to, to be reconciled because of Jesus. James, don't fight. Don't quarrel. Be humble. Come underneath. God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So that's the ancient challenge. And we can identify with them in the New Testament because that's the human condition. It's, it's just, Lord, help us. Please help us. Have mercy. Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. We are sinners. Have mercy. Yeah. So that's the ancient challenge. We can identify with that, but let's talk about the modern day challenge for just a minute. This will probably make it a little, bring it a little more home for some of us. Um, the modern day challenge, it's like race, 
race relationships, got all different kinds of ethnicities in this room. And even if everybody had the same exact ethnicity, there is still a high probability of conflict at some point. This, we got different backgrounds. We grew up in different ways. We, we have different brokenness, different levels of fallen, just different, different things that have happened that we never got healed from and we bring it forward into the now. And Christians aren't immune from these different things, right? We're not immune from doing it the way... I'm, maybe we weren't parent... You know, we, maybe we weren't parented. Parent being, it, and, and that's a lot of our culture right now is a lack of parenting. And so, you know, if you're parented like, no, you can't do that. No, really, you can't do that. You have to go make things right with them. You have to go... You know, we would literally... Just with the kids, they, they were at each other's throat about something and, and yelling at each other or somebody hit somebody and, and we'd ha- they have to look each other in the eye and say, I love you and mean it. So they'd have to stand there you know, sometimes for a little while. But, but, but it was just some parenting to help learn how, how do you work through conflict? How do, you, how do you do this stuff? So let me give some common cultural ways that we handle relational problems, okay? You can write these down if you want. The first one's tit for tat. Everybody know what tit for tat means? It's a Greek phrase. I'm just <laughs> it just means you do something, I'm going to do it back. I've got variations on that. The second one would be keeping score. Keeping score. You know, you did that stuff back then and so I've justified me doing this now. Or, you're probably going to do something in the future, so I justify what I did to you without having to ask for forgiveness on that or something. You judge me, I judge you. Those are all kind of in a similar deal. Number four, we label our, if, if we label ourselves a victim in a conflict, it's going to be just almost impossible to get to, the, to get to healing in it. If I'm the victim, then I always get to leave and, and I'm going to just keep stirring. It's hard to speak into each other's lives if I'm playing the role of the victim in it. So the Lord wants to help us in that. Uh, another one is we rehearse what happened and we see ourselves in the best light. Well, I know what my motives were. They were actually good. I was trying to help people. I was, you know, and, but we see others in a more uncharitable light. And so there's a way of just kind of telling ourselves that story, right? Another one is that we withdraw or we try to escape or uh, we shut down or we become passive aggressive, you know, just, you know, saying one thing over here, but kind of working against the situation over here, which another one is like that. We manipulate. We put on a front, but we don't really have the best in mind or we find others who feel the same way and we just, hey, I need to text you about this and let you know what's going on here. We have conversations on the side where we complain, you know, or another one is that we get other people involved on our side about whatever's going on. And we can gossip. It's usually not called, we don't like to call it gossip, we call it prayer requests. I need you to pray with me about this, this hard situation that's going on where they wronged me. Um, and, and I wrote the word down triangulation. That's kind of where we pull somebody in to kind of get them on our side and they don't know the whole story, but we use them to kind of help us do this thing, you know, in this, in this conflict. And up at the top of the heap of all of these things 
I'm going to just throw out the way our culture, culture handles, handles relational problems. At the top of this heap, I'm going to put social media. Because social media in our day and age has become this, in, in terms of working out a conflict, it has become unbelievably polemic. You, you, don't, you don't actually have a conversation. You just, it's like politics or something. You just talk at each other. You have talking points and you just ba 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 And you say that, and then, but you don't hear the other person. Not really. It's not really even a conversation. And what used to be a mystery, if there's a conflict between us, if we put it on social media, what, what used to be a mystery, like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, keeping, I'm holding on to some things in my heart here. I'm, I'm trying to work this through. But if we put it on social media, it's just out there on the intergalactic worldwide web, you know, for everybody to see, you know, and it, it ends the mystery and it furthers the difficulty. And so then what happens is the cultural standard, this is the way the culture works this out, is the friend of my friend is my friend. Friend of my friend is my friend. Okay, I've got a friend, they're friends with that person, then they're my friend too. But the enemy of my friend is my enemy. I've got, to be, I've got to be enemies with them because they're the enemy of my friend. Everybody tracking with me? And then the enemy of my enemy is my friend because we're kind of both, even though I don't know them or care that much or whatever, but if they're enemies, then they're my friend. We've, we've made an alliance. We've triangulated against the, the other person. You see how that works? And then there's the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is that we don't have to stay in this tangled mess of darkness in our relationships. I mean, it's like, wow, I don't have to live that way. I don't have to stay that way. He makes a way forward in Jesus Christ that is awesome. So that's the challenge. The second piece. The, the second piece is the relationship vision. And where do we look when we need vision in relationships and when I ask a hard question, you guys know the answer. It's right. You look to Jesus, who is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God who reveals the Father God to us. He's the perfect image of the Father. But He reveals also that He's got a relationship. Jesus the Son in relationship with His Father in the Spirit is the center of the New Testament. That this is God revealing, the self-revealing of God to the world is in Jesus Christ, the Son, who reveals His relationship with His Father in the Spirit. And He invites us into that vision, that way of relating to other people. We can't do it perfectly. We're humans. But that's the image that we are being shaped into. Does that make sense? We're being shaped into the image of a loving, self-giving, agape, other-centered Beautiful kind of love that's really like a dance. The divine, wonderful dance of love, of the relational God of love. So, John chapter 15, verse 9. Let me just read a few verses here where that vision is kind of, kind of explained and teased out a bit. This, all of these chapters are just wonderful to see Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I'll just read a few verses here about relationship. John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So have I, as the Father loved me, infinite, from all eternity, so have I loved you. Lord, let that sink into us. How loved we are. Now remain in my love. How do we do that, Lord? If you obey my commandments, 
you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. Wow, that sounds heavy. That sounds like a bunch of stuff to do. And what is His command? What's the summing up of His commandments? To love God and to love one another. Okay, so this is the, this is the heart of it. The very, very heart of it. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Okay, who wants the joy of Jesus? I totally do. Okay, so my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. Then he laid down his life for his friends. That's what he's about to do. And that's what he's modeling for us. We lay down our lives for others. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father. I have made known to you. And he goes on and says, you're going to bear fruit. And then he finishes up and he says, this is my command. Love each other. Now, I think Jesus knew that that was going to be really hard for us to do. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to love in season and out of season. It's, it's hard to love when we get emotionally wiped out and tanked. It's hard to, and, and we can't do it. We don't have enough strength on our own. We've got to let God's love flow through us. That's the only way there's, that's the only way there's hope for it to happen. But praise God, He gives it. He pours out His Spirit, gives us, gives us that. But He knows it's going to be challenging. And He finishes that evening before the cross in John 17, verse 20. And He prays for us. He says, My prayer, Father, is not for them alone, not just His disciples there. I pray also for those who will believe in Me through their message. That's us too. That all of them may be one. Father, just as You are in Me and I am in You, may they also be uh, be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So he's saying, Father, I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard for them to walk out what I'm giving them. You know, Paul says it this way in Ephesians, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So make every effort to keep. So it's something that he's given us in the spirit. It's, some, it's not something we strive to one day. Att- We've got it. But we have to work it out. We have to walk it out. And that's part of growing up. That's part of maturing. That's part of this journey. You know, and this is all part of the vision. We need this vision. We need this vision of a God that loves like this. That kind of other-centered love that's patient and pursue, uh, per- persevering and is honoring and comes under and builds up and brings encouragement and strength and hope and all the one another's. We need that vision of being shaped into the very image of this triune God of love in our community. Does that make sense? This is, Lord, open our eyes to see this important piece of being like you. It's a big deal. Romans 8, no matter what happens, no matter the bad choices we make, God can use all of that stuff for good. And He's going to. I'm, I'm praying big prayers for us for 2017 that this would be the best year in relationships for Christ's fellowship in 2017 ever. The best year ever. In His presence and in our relationships. And He can do that. I, I, it's not like, man, Jamie, do you think that's God's will? Is that like a, a thin branch to get out on to pray that we'd have the best relationships ever and love? I don't think so. I heard a parable this past week about settlers. 
They were going west to find a new town, new city to live in. And, and uh, they come to a, a, a little town and there's a wise man up on a hill. And so the settlers go up to this wise man on the hill and they say, hey, is this a good city for us to live in? Should we, should we live here? And he said, well, let me ask you a question first. What was the city like that you came from? And they said, oh, the city we came from was terrible. People backbiting, gossips, unloving, uncaring, unkind, just mean-spirited people. That, that's what it was like back there. He said, well, you won't like this city because it's just like that. Then another, they went on west. And another group of settlers came. And they said, what's this city like? They came to the wise man on the hill. What's this city like? And he said, well, let me ask you a question first. What's the city like that you came from? Well, the city we came from is the most, one of the most loving places on earth. The people are kind. They give hope to each other. They serve one another. They come under and support. We rally around each other. We express love and kindness and care for one another. And he said, you're going to love this city. It's just like that. Now, that's actually pretty deep. It's actually really deep. Because we bring, no matter where we go, we bring all of our undealt with past, our unreconciled past, all that stuff, we bring it with us to the next town, to the next place, you know, to, uh, in relationships. Uh, I heard a statistic about, you know, uh, a high percentage of people that have been divorced also get divorced a second time. Because you bring in, a lot of times, undealt with stuff, baggage, hurts, pains, all of those kinds of things. And even as Christians, we, a lot of times we need to spend time unlearning bad habits from middle school, high school, parents, lack of parenting, lack of you know, somebody helping us, hey, you've got to go to that person and make things right there. Ask for forgiveness. You know, humble yourself. Do, do those kinds of things. You know? and, and so, uh, it's a journey that as I was just looking through the letters of the New Testament, again, in Acts, Paul is murdering Christians. Right? He's, he's murdering Christians. He's on a Damascus road going to do it some more. Blinding light, vision, sees Jesus. Jesus tells him he's going to be his witness to the nations. Going to be sent out to the nations. And so he goes to Damascus. He's blinded. You know, he's there. It's, Ananias comes and he gets baptized and and then uh, uh, he's there in Damascus for a little bit, but then they, they bring him back to Jerusalem. Okay, Jerusalem, they didn't even want to see him. They didn't want to let him into their midst. He had been killing them. So imagine somebody's killed two or three of our folks here, martyred a couple people here at Christ Fellowship, and then they get saved and they walk in the door. That's what's going on in Jerusalem. That's reconciliation. Them having to work that out. You know, you say, well, I've, do you have some relational struggles that are that big? That, that kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? You know, I know we're all thinking about stuff, but man, that's a big one. Galatians, Paul, you know, rebuking Peter. Peter, you're going to have to go sit back down with the Gentiles. You've got to make things right. We're not doing this other gospel thing where the people are separated and can't eat meals together because they've got different ethnicities. That's ridiculous. This... And what's hitting me is like the New Testament is over and over and over. It's about reconciliation. It's about relationships with people. It's not just about we die and go to heaven. It's like 
I want you to express my kingdom and my lordship, that I am the Lord of the world by the way you relate that's different than the world. It's different than the world. Philippians, Euodia, Syntyche, I want you, you precious leader women to get along. You're causing division in the church. Stop it. Love each other. Be like Jesus. Go humble. You know, he humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross so that he could bring about a reconciliation between God and people. You know, and so be like Jesus. Lord, help us. Lord, none of us do this perfect. I'm, I just I'm, I so want to pull us in on this thing. Nobody does it just right. I don't. We need grace. We need grace. Man, we need grace. And so that's the vision is that we would live with our eyes on Jesus and this God of reconciling love that He's brought us into this, this house called Christ's Fellowship and that our vision is always when things are hard to keep turning toward one another because that's like Jesus and the Father from all eternity in the power of the Spirit. Face to face. Turn toward, not away. And even when we turn away, God comes around and finds us and brings us into His house and invites us to participate and to grow up and to do this journey. So then the third piece of this today, relationship challenge, the relationship vision and the relationship commitment. And that's what He's calling us to. He's calling us to this welcome home that we would be a house where we have a vision for relationships being worked out over time. Not done perfectly, but given grace to one another when we mess up. But having a vision for it working over time. Now, it's not only about problems. Part of the vision and part of the commitment that we make to one another is we want to work to build relationships where we can. Okay, so that's a positive side of things. That, like, eat meals together. Eat food. Eat food with other Christians. Somebody different than you. Break bread together. Anybody knows, have ever eaten a meal with me, you know when I'm with a brother or sister, just most of the time I pray, Lord, as we're eating this food and breaking this bread together, let us see you, Jesus. Just disciples on the road to Emmaus. You know, and just good things happen. Do you need a green light for eating some food? Green light. Go. Do it. There's times not to eat, but mostly it's time to eat. So that, that's good. Um, uh, I'm going to say more about this in the next few weeks, but uh, another positive side of this is speaking blessing to one another. Encouragement. Strengthening words. The prophetic word. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. This, uh, I'm amazed sometimes. People like about prophetic words. Like, is that for today? I mean, it's like black and white. I want you to earnestly seek spiritual gifts and especially the gift of prophecy. Why? Because it builds up the church. Like there's not a that, that need hasn't gone away. Like we totally and I said this in the first service. It wasn't in my notes. It's still not in my notes. But you can put a big honking bullseye on me if anybody wants to give an encouraging word. Like, like you know, bummer birthmark. You know, the deer far side. Put a birthmark on me, and it's encouragement. The prophetic word. What? First Corinthians fourteen three. Strengthening encouragement. And comfort. That's what the prophetic word does. You know, and we'll put more etiquette on that. It's not, you know, it's not thus saith the Lord. It's, hey, I just, 
you know, and if, if prophetic word is hard for, to hear, then go, God, would you give me an encouragement for somebody? This could be a scripture, just something that's hopeful about the future. Speak life to them. Everybody wants encouragement. And I tell you, if we would release ourselves to speak these words of strengthening, encouragement, and comfort, there won't be room in a few months for all the people that want to be in on that. May you have a big bullseye of encouragement on you as well. Okay, so that's some of the positive stuff of building relationships, meals, time, hanging out, laughter. Man, I, I like to laugh too. So I, I said a few words about the positive side. Now let's talk about when there's a challenge. What do you do? Just practically, when there's a challenge, I've got a few things here. When there's a challenge, practically, there's some things I need to do. And the very first thing, if I'm in the middle of a relational challenge, the first thing I have to do is to go to God. Go to God. Start by turning to the Lord. And it's in turning to the Lord, we're going to get some help for what is our part in this. What is, Lord, how do I respond? How do I see this situation? And a lot of us, if you're older in the Lord, or even if you're not older, Somebody may come to you from time to time and say, hey, I've got this problem with so-and-so. And so what do we do? And that's a coaching, that's a training opportunity for all of us. Hey, ultimately, you're going to need to go to them. And so I want to, I want to point you in that direction of going so that you can work this thing out. And they say, well, I don't know what to say. Well, you may need to write some things down. You know, but if you write some things down, and here's... a very loving encouragement. If you write some things down about what's wrong in this, in this relationship, do not hit send. You know, there is, and just I almost wish that could be a rule. It, we don't have a lot of rules. But a rule is in conflict, don't send somebody a letter. If it's worth writing those thoughts down so you can be clear about it, it's worth going to them face to face. Right? Just huge. So there's a, there's a food chain. You know, like down here at the bottom is smoke signals, something, you know, there's a problem. <laughs> then further up the food chain is like uh, texting. Hey, I just want to let you know things aren't good. Uh, we, I got a problem with you, you know. That, that's, that, that's way down here, right? Uh, up the food chain is maybe writing a letter. Uh, uh, email or a letter, video conferencing might be better, you know, Skype or something. But, but what I'm exhorting us to do is to, to meet with someone. You know, ultimately, we want to meet with the person. That's, that's where, this is, where this is going. So we help people through that process. And when I'm going to God, here's what I do. I say, Lord, Lord, what's happening in this situation? Lord, show me what's happening. Would you help me? Because here's the way we do this. In our heads, we've got a story we're playing. You know, we've got this is the way this thing went down. And usually it's it's a crummy way of, of seeing it. We need some perspective. Lord, would you give me some perspective on this thing, this thing that's happening here? Help me to see this. Help me to see their perspective. Help me to see your perspective about this. And it's maturity that allows us to back up from the intensity of the situation and say, God, help me to see this. That's all in just what's going on with us and God before we even go. So, Lord, shape this. Lord, give me Your love for them. James says, why do you fight and quarrel? 
It's because you've got desires that are wrong. You're asking with all the wrong motives. You've got covetousness in your heart. You're coveting. Which coveting just means I want this thing my way. I want to have that thing or I want this situation to be the way I want it. And I'm coveting that. And it leads to fighting and quarrels and, and hard stuff. And so James says, hey, humble yourself so that God can step in on this situation. And that's a great challenge because it's so hard for us to give up, uh, to give up the conflict. Especially if we see ourselves as right. And probably we do. That's why there's a conflict. But it's, it's hard, man. It's, it's, a, it's a coming low. It's, it's, it's saying, God, just would you have your way? Would you help me to get out of the way so I can ha- hear your heart on this thing? Please, Lord. And so that's going to God. That's how we do that. That's how we do that peace. And then we forgive, even there with the Lord. You know, uh, praying the Lord's Prayer every day will help you to do this. Because you can't get through it without saying, forgive us, Father, of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And I just, I'll just go ahead and give you an encouragement. If somebody comes up in your mind when you're praying that prayer, speak their name out and say, Father, I forgive them. I bless them in Jesus' name. It's the way we've been forgiven. That's, that's the power of cha- ultimately changing the world. Ultimately, changing the world is that we have the power to forgive others because of Jesus Christ. It's just, it's powerful. So, forgive, that's another step. Another step would be remember the power of the tongue all along the way because it can create a forest fire. Just even before I get to the person, I just, hey, I need to tell you I'm on the way. I just, da da da, this is what they did. Just take that. And they're like, uh, okay. Hey, did you hear what happened? You know, and just, you know, before long, it's, it's going. The fourth thing is go to the person. Okay? Go to the person. And where you really can, don't go to other people first. You know, some of that stuff we were just talking about a minute ago. Turning toward others is huge. And uh, go to the person. And can I just say on this, one quick little side note is uh, go to the other person. If they know there's a conflict. But if they don't know there's a conflict, it may just be something that you just need to forgive and be hard to offend. Romans, uh, excuse me, Proverbs 19.11 says, uh, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It's to his glory to overlook an offense. So I have in the past, it's, it's been a while, but I've had somebody come up and forgive me because I didn't say something, uh, I didn't say hi, basically. And so they, it was a kind of a hit and run forgiveness. And so they came, they did that, and I was going, uh, well, just... What, what, I, I didn't know what I did. I didn't know what I did. I didn't know there was a problem. And um, so went and you know spent lunch or that afternoon trying to create, creating a an anxiety thing for me to work through because I got forgiven for something I didn't know that I had even done. And it really was it was it was just it was it wasn't a forgiveness thing that was needed. Um, and so uh, right tracking on that. Everybody good? We're good here? Okay, I know it's kind of, it's kind of tense. Um, Romans 12.18. There's this big conflict going on. I mean, people are upset with each other. Paul's having to tell them, accept each other. Just because they drink something or they eat food you don't like to eat, 
You can't reject them for that. They're not less than you. You can't put a judgment on them because of that. You're together in Jesus Christ. So live that way. And he says, and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Okay? So that's a great exhortation. And sometimes, you know, we can go, we can do the right thing, but if there's brokenness in the, in, and there will be, in all of us, but if there's a brokenness that goes away from the, the reconciliation meeting and just keeps looping on that, it's going to be hard to find real healing because of our brokenness sometimes. And that's, that's what happens. So as far as it depends on you, though, live at peace. Try to make it work. You know? Uh, and so we finish up with, we talk with somebody, we're with somebody, you know, we're working toward healing, and then we, we pray and we move on. But here's the thing. After you leave that time of working on it, you've gone to the person, then right there is exactly where you need to forgive if anything ever comes up again. How many times should you forgive? 63 times. If it's more than... I'm just kidding. Just You just forgive as Christ has forgiven you. 70 times 7. Don't, don't do the multiplication. Just it's The point is... Forgiveness. And here's the kicker. is blessing. You know that you are coming to a place of victory in this situation when you can bless them to be radically successful in whatever it is they're doing. Lord, bless their business. Lord, bless their family. Bless them emotionally. I pray that this will be the best year for them with Jesus ever. Then we're getting to a place of, of life. Okay? That's what the Lord's calling us to. That's this kind of vision. That's what Jesus is calling us to. Every other person you're ever in conflict with, or they are a person that's loved by God so much that Jesus would die on the cross for them. They have unsurpassable value, worth, the Father's love, the image of God. Everybody, no matter how, but they're cantankerous. They're a crotchety. Love them with the love of Jesus. Forgive them with the forgiveness that you've been forgiven. Here's the thing. I'm going to wrap this up this way. Every time we reconcile with a brother or sister, every time we come together, it's hope for the world being reconciled to God. And it's the, it's the power of the kingdom of God at work in our midst where Jesus Christ is Lord, where we don't do just what the culture does around us, but we come under others, that we love others with the love of Jesus Christ. It's huge. And I'm going to just say it again. I said I would say it. I'm going to say it here at the end. And that is grace. Newsflash. I've not always done this right. And none of us have. And that's why we need to hear the word of grace. There's grace in our relational faux pas like there's grace with lust or greed or Whatever the personal thing is that you're struggling with, there's grace for that in Jesus Christ. And there's grace for how we've done it or not done it right in our relationships. Praise the Lord. God, thank You, Father. There's grace. Can you hear that today? Grace. 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 Here's, I'm going to finish with this. We're going to do a little bit of ministry. But what if this year, 
in this house, what if this was the best year for relationships in the history of the church? What if this was the best year for relationships at work? The best year for relationships in your family, with your parents and with your kids. The best year for relationships with your friends. The very best year ever. Not a shaky limb. God wants it. I've been praying that. I'm praying, God, make this the best, the very best year for relationships ever for Christ fellowship in my own life and in the church. And I'm telling you, I think God wants to do that. He wants to do that in us. There's, a, there's hope. There's always hope. It's good news. So stand up if you would. Amen. Worship team's coming up and I've got... We do this if you're visiting with us. We do this at the end of every service. We just take a little bit of time to respond to God and just have a little bit of ministry and get somebody to pray for us. And, and so I want to offer three specific invitations today. And uh, if we can get a little more ministry team help, that'd be awesome. Somebody that does that stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So three specific invitations. One, uh, man, you know, if you need to start a relationship with Jesus, if you've not done that in a real clear way, then today's a great day to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to, I want to follow Him. I want to start that journey by faith. I want to be baptized. I want to walk with Him as a disciple. Because that's the key to health in relationships is walking with Jesus. The second invitation is... If the Lord's been speaking to you about something, something that's going on in your personal situation, then and you need to get prayer about that, man, get prayer. Let's go for let's go for victory. Let's go for health and healing in our relationships. And then the last thing is if you just have a prayer need today, man, don't leave without getting somebody to pray for you. If the front fills up, then get somebody close by to just pray. It's just there's power. There's power here. And this this could be the the best part of the whole day right now as God answers these prayers. So come, get prayer. Father, meet us today in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meet us, O oh God. Help us. Amen. Come, you guys. Whatever your need is, come.